Well, as you know, we're kicking off a new sermon series today, and it's called Holy Ghost Stories. And um, I'm always excited when we, when we start a new sermon series here at Anderson Hills, but this one I think is really going to be fantastic. And so I can't wait to see where the Spirit leads us um, in these coming weeks. You know, last week we had a fantastic Easter. We celebrated Jesus' resurrection, as we do today, too. Every Sunday we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. But God is really on the move. And we saw God show up in some powerful ways last week. Um, got lots of great feedback on Holy Week and Easter Sunday. And, you know, last week we had about 90% of our pre-COVID worshiping congregation with us, either present in person or worshiping online. That's the most we've had since 2019. Amen, amen. And because um, we'd been about 75% before of that. So God is really doing something. There's this a momentum. Can you feel it at Anderson Hills, a momentum that is building? I can. And I think this series is going to just blow the doors right open. Well, one of the reasons that I'm really excited about this series is because we're talking about how the Holy Spirit moved in the Bible and also how the Holy Spirit moves today in our church, in our lives, in our community. And we're going to have a testimony every week during this sermon series from someone in the church um, to talk about how the Holy Spirit has been alive and at work in their life. Now, you need to know this, that um, we work as a collaborative team here at Anderson Hills. There are lots of people behind the scenes that start working weeks and weeks and weeks of, in advance of any sermon series, um, studying and praying and, and discerning and, and coming up with creative ideas that happen long before one of the pastors ever stands up on this platform on a Sunday morning. And so while we were planning this sermon series and thinking about who we might invite to um, share a testimony each week, there were like 75 people that came to mind. There's so many Holy Ghost stories that we could share, but we didn't think a 75-week sermon series would be good. So, you know, that'd be a really big uh, booklet for you to take home for the Bible reading plan. So uh, we pared that down a little bit. So if your story isn't one that's getting shared this time, we're not trying to exclude you, but uh, we are just going to highlight a few of the stories that are happening in our midst. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, also known as the Holy Ghost, depending on which translation of the Bible that you use, um, is God. I mean, Christians believe that God is triune. Amen? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are all equally God. They are all fully God. We say it like, it, like God is one in three persons, okay? And it might sound confusing, and that's because God is so much bigger than language that we can put to it or our human ideas can wrap around. God is supernatural, and there's a, a holy mystery to God um, as well. So there are elements of our faith that we, can that we can explain pretty well in concrete language, and oftentimes that explanation just kind of falls short. And it doesn't mean that we have a blind faith or that, um, that God is against science or reason. God created those things, of course, but God is just bigger than those things. And so we have to accept that sometimes as we talk about um, who God is. So God is triune. Now, I think a lot of us know 
about God. And, and you say, tell me a little bit about God. And you start to say things, well, he created everything, or he's my father. Or I said, tell me about your impression about Jesus. And you begin to say, well, he's a human being like me, but he's also divine like God. And he's a good shepherd, and he's a teacher, and he's a rabbi, and all of those things. And, but when you say, tell me about the Holy Spirit, sometimes, in my experience anyway, people just get kind of this blank it's harder to put into words about this third person of the Trinity than God and Jesus. And so, but the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Um, it's not an it. It is a supernatural um, force of divine power. Um, the Holy Spirit um, is not like that crazy cousin that gets invited to the, to the um, family dinners every once in a while. That you're like, I don't really know who that is, and I don't want to sit next to them and talk to them. So we're going to discover more about who the Holy Spirit is during this sermon series as well. So maybe you grew up in a church that called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. Um, and that's great. Um, they're interchangeable words. Back in the day of Shakespeare and in good old-fashioned English um, use of the King James, uh, ghost actually meant the living spirit, the essence of a person. And so scripture often translated the word spirit as ghost in lots of places, kind of conveying this, this otherness, this transcendence, this you can't tie me down with words kind of essence about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit as a person, and, um, and he's not an it. Um, again, language kind of falls short a little bit. You know, Jesus came to earth as a man, and so we talk about him as a man, as a him or a, a, or a he. And God is neither male or female in the, um, in the, uh, in the whole trinity. Um, there's not really a gender. Uh, but typically, uh, we use um, male pronouns um, for God. And, I, and I'm going to use that pronoun he because it is the standard way of referring to God. Um, I'm not going to use the pronoun it for the Holy Spirit because we usually use the um, pronoun it to describe an object. And the Holy Spirit is not an object. It's a person, the third person of the trinity. So I would imagine that we have a number of different understandings and opinions maybe about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is right here in our congregation, right here in our midst. So I'm going to throw a couple of these out. Maybe you're somewhere along this continuum here. Um, think about which one of these scenarios kind of best describes where you are right now in your understanding of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never really thought about the Holy Spirit before, that you've not given it much thought. You maybe even doubt that the Holy Spirit is real. That's a point where you might be. Or you might know that the Spirit exists, but you've never really felt the Spirit stirring inside of you before. Um, you might have felt his work in your life, but you're not really sure how to describe that work that you've experienced in your life. You might know that he's working in your life, but you're afraid to talk very much about it for fear of what other people might think. Or you might know that he's working in your life and you're hungry and thirsty for more. You want to gobble up more and receive more and more and more of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are on that kind of continuum of understanding of the Spirit, it's okay. It's okay to be right where you are. Because we can only begin any journey if we know the starting point, right? Where we are. And so there's no right or wrong with that. 
My prayer for this series, our teams, our staff's prayer, our church prayer, is that each and every one of us would grow in our knowledge and in our understanding and in our experience of the Holy Spirit during this series and forever and ever. And so we want to encounter the Spirit of God right here in this church, right here in our homes, right here in our community and and beyond. Would you pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, come. We want more of you. No matter where we are right now, Holy Spirit, find us there and then lead us into more and more and more of you so that we might connect with the one who created us and be all that you made us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the book of Acts um, is, picks up the story um, right after the book of Luke. You might know that the same author, Luke, wrote the book of Acts as well. And so 40 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, Jesus gave the disciples some further instructions, um, and he promised that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 4 today. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, John the baptizer had baptized people with water. But the Holy Spirit will give a spiritual immersion. We should note a couple of things. First... The disciples received the Holy Spirit a little differently than we do. I mean, they encountered Jesus before his death and his resurrection. So their, spirit, their experience of conversion was a little bit different than ours after Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, we believe that all followers of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit when they become Christians. And our basis for that is found in Scripture In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, which says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So if you belong to Christ, you have the Spirit in you. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence is not just for super Christians, for those that have been on the journey a long time. It's for every single Christian. Now, when we get into the specific nuances of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, this is an area where good Bible-believing Christians sometimes differ in their understandings or beliefs. So I want to share with you today what I believe, which is consistent with our Methodist heritage, with folks that kind of stand in the line of John Wesley. We believe that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to 
all believers. And you can read about these and learn about these again from Scripture in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12, and also in Ephesians 4. Now, some gifts of the Spirit are almost like natural, enhanced natural abilities, like leadership and administration. And others are more like supernatural, like speaking in tongues or healing prophecy or words of knowledge. Methodists believe in all of the gifts and that all of the gifts are available to believers today. None of them were a special, one-time, limited kind of offer. But I don't believe that any of the gifts are normative for every single spirit-filled believer. In other words, you don't have all the gifts. None of us do. That's why the, spirits, or the scripture says we need to work together as a body. So you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. And I totally respect any Christian that might not see eye to eye with me on this. It's okay. But I don't see a biblical mandate that every, spiritual, every spirit-filled believer has to speak in tongues. That's a question that's asked quite a bit. So all people who receive the Holy Spirit when they become, all people do receive the Holy Spirit when they become Christians. I mean, um, we prayed for this when you were baptized, or your pastor prayed for this when you were baptized. If you um, are here on a Sunday when we celebrate baptisms, we're going to invoke and invite the Holy Spirit to be present and work within you as you um, grow in your discipleship of Jesus. This doesn't mean that all believers are equally filled with the Holy Spirit at all times, though. The Bible is clear that we have many different experiences of the power of the Spirit. Um, some Christians like to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a, as a special one-time experience. And there is certainly evidence for that in the Bible. Um, but I don't think it's just a one-time Thing. You can experience the power of the Holy Spirit over and over and over in your life. Maybe you have. I know I certainly have. I experience the Spirit at different times as different ways in my life. Um, there have been times when maybe someone has spoken a word of knowledge over me or when I've received a word of knowledge to speak to someone else. Um, sometimes I feel that Spirit, this Holy Spirit, when I'm praying for someone or praying um, just in general or when I've been prayed for by someone else over me. And sometimes the Spirit is just kind of a quiet sense of peace that, over, um, that overwhelms me. Sometimes tears come to my eyes and I just start crying um, kind of uncontrollably when the Spirit is there. Sometimes it's a feeling inside of, of warmth or a feeling that I can't even quite describe when the Holy Spirit is present and at work in our lives. Ultimately, it is God's work. And so God can work however God wants to work in our lives through the Spirit. So it's not up to me, it's not up to you to dictate exactly how the Holy Spirit is going to move in any one of us. The Bible gives us guidelines, and it tells us that God is a God of order, but it also says that we are not to quench the Holy Spirit. And so we need to let the Spirit work and, and find that balance between order and freedom. Remember what Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1.8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. That is exactly what happened in the book of Acts, isn't it? As you read through that book, that's exactly what happened, a ripple effect of the gospel going out into all the world. You and I know that. We have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit of having the book of Acts that we can read about. But those first disciples did not know that when Jesus prophesied that to them, when he told them that that would happen. They had walked with Jesus for three years, experiencing his life and his ministry and learning all about the kingdom of God. But just like we learned about a couple of weeks ago, Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, 7, he said, it's going to be better for you, in fact, if I go away, because if I don't, then the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. It's like he's saying, you think walking this journey with me has been good? Wait until I ascend into heaven. It's going to be even greater. It'll blow your mind when the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. Now, it certainly wasn't the first time that the disciples had encountered the Spirit or read about the Spirit. We can read about the Spirit in the Hebrew Scriptures, which they had available to them um, at that time, and that was their Scripture. And yet, they were yet to understand the fullness of God's plan of the Holy Spirit that was poured out on that first Pentecost. They didn't have the New Testament, the inspired Word of God in the New Testament, like we do. So we have to cut them a little bit of a break. So after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples returned to Jerusalem, and they stayed in that upper room for a while. There was some fear at first. Um, Now, there were about 120 people that were gathered together um, in that upper room, devoting themselves to prayer. And Luke tells us that they were all in alignment. They were all of one accord, meaning that they were of one heart and of one purpose. And when they met together, they were constantly united in prayer. And you have to wonder, how could there have been so much unity? Why were they so united? Well, it was because they didn't have any agendas of their own. They re- their only agenda was, what do you want to do in and through us, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit? That's my prayer for us at Anderson Hills, that we will be united, that we will not have our own agendas, but our agenda will only be God's agenda. One of our other readings this past week in our Bible reading plan was from Acts 2. And that, there it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and, and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now this is a place where sometimes people get a little bit weirded out um, about the Holy Spirit. They might say, you know, I like the idea of prayer um, and praying together. But I'm not really sure that I want the Holy Spirit to show up and just take over and, and blow like a wind or, or rush like a flood or, or have tongues of fire landing on my head. Now, throughout the scripture, there's some ambiguity about the, the Spirit's nature. And maybe you've had some um, in your own experience. As I said, in Acts 2, there's, the Spirit's a rushing wind um, 
but it's also flames of fire. And it's people, it's the Spirit giving people the ability to speak in, in languages that weren't their own languages. You have to admit, that's pretty supernatural, isn't it? That's not something that we experience each and every day, typically. So you might have this tendency to, to read this and think that the Spirit is some kind of impersonal force, like, you know, from Star Wars, this other, the force be with you, or something like that, but not God. But that's absolutely not true. You know, throughout, throughout Christian history, Christians have tried to put into words exactly who God is. And, and early on in the church, we came up with some, some creeds, which we don't often recite in, in this um, worship space, but um, we do often recite one of the creeds over in traditional worship. And in 381, the year 381, um, the Nicene Creed came into being. This is what it says about who the Holy Spirit is. And this is Orthodox Christian belief that we believe as Christians. It says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. You see, this is an affirmation that the Holy Spirit is a divine person with absolute equal status and nature with God the Father and with God the Son, Jesus Christ. And so even though we may experience the Holy Spirit as a powerful present, he is absolutely the divine third person of the Trinity. You can think about it like this. When you're in the presence of a person, some of their characteristics and their qualities are evident to you, right? As you see them, as you talk to them, as you experience them. For example, in the presence of someone you love, they may bring you comfort. When you get close to them, you might experience their warmth of personality. When you hug them, you may experience emotions like joy and, and peace being around them. When they are sad, you might cry with them. And although God is not human, God created us in his image, and God is personal. And so God knows how to connect with us, to get through to us. So never think of the Holy Spirit as an it. He is a person and has very definite ways. They might be peculiar. They might be eccentric or unique, if you like. But the Holy Spirit has his ways. And my point is this. The Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. And we find evidence of the Holy Spirit's personhood in Scripture. In Romans 8.27, it says the Spirit has a mind and he intercedes for us. In Ephesians 4.30, the Spirit has emotions, and we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12.11 tells us that the Spirit has a will and makes decisions. And the Holy Spirit takes on the role of a teacher and a leader and a judge. In John 14, Jesus prayed to the Father that we might receive the Spirit as another like himself. It says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything 
I have told you. So why is this important? Well, if you only think about the Holy Spirit as an impersonal force, then you're missing Jesus' point. You see, we can't be in a relationship with an object or a force. We can only be in relationship with a person. You know, an object can't speak. An object can't act. An object doesn't have any authority. It becomes an accessory rather than your life source. But Jesus is teaching us that the Holy Spirit is another one like him, a divine person of the Trinity. And when we get this, it is then that we will find true intimacy and meaning in our walk with God. So the Holy Spirit is not a course in advanced Christianity. He's not reserved for the few or the the deep, the weird. It's because of Jesus' finished work on the cross that we can know this personal God for ourselves. That we can know this living, personal God for ourselves. If you're a believer, I want you to say this with me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Isn't that amazing? Say that with me. The same spirit that lives from the dead lives in me. Again, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. That is power, isn't it? It's amazing. In fact, there's a command in Ephesians 5:18. We are told to be filled with the spirit, and it's through the spirit that we can live not as unwise people, but as wise people, Ephesians tells us. We can live according to God's ways, not our own selfish ways. By the power of the resurrected Christ in the Holy Spirit. Sadly, many Christians never make it that far. Or they stop or they get stuck for whatever reason. Maybe it's unbelief or a lack of knowledge or they're just uninterested. And that's as far as they go. It's a very powerful truth that you can sit in a church for more than 30 years and still miss out on all that God has for you. There's so much more that God has for all of us, no matter where we are. There really is so much more that God wants to do in us and through us as individuals and collectively as a church. I want to share with you today's testimony. It's from Tony and Melody Morris, who are with us right now today. They're going to talk a little bit about their experience with the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, everyone's experience is absolutely unique, but I think there's a lot we can all learn from this video. Take a look. When I first experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I was in college, and I had had a close relationship with the Lord my whole life, but I started seeking out the Holy Spirit more and hearing more about Him, and I had heard stories about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and I felt like I needed that. And so I just prayed and asked the Lord to fill me with His Spirit, and from that moment on, everything was different. I had always loved the Lord, and read the word and lived a holy lifestyle, but I felt like my heart 
was like set on fire once I invited the Holy Spirit in. And I was a swimmer in college, and I remember the next morning diving into the pool for swim practice, and I just, with the water surrounding me, I felt like I was just like surrounded in God's love, and I had a hard time focusing on my sets that practice because I was just like hearing God's voice so clearly. It was like, it took over all my thoughts. And that was a powerful experience that I had, but it continues. Like, it's never been the same ever since then. Now that I walk in the Spirit and live a life of the Spirit, I hear God's voice, and I'm able to follow His leading. Um, Just in my daily situations, my interactions with Tony and the kids, my interactions with strangers at the grocery store and my friends, um, because I can hear God's voice and sense the leading of the Spirit, I can do the things God wants me to do. I firmly believe, like in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we are spirit, soul, and body. And when Jesus came, died that death, brought us back to life, our spirit went from death to life. The Holy Spirit lives in there. So one-third of us is different from the rest of the world. Like it's seated right now, our spirit's seated in heavenly places with Jesus when we become baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then... In that process of living in that day in and day out, we have our will. Who are we going to choose to follow? And so we get to choose. Are we going to surrender to the Spirit within us, the Holy Spirit within us? Do we want to like go to the flesh for peace? Like, no, no, we want to go to the Holy Spirit within us. I need to take a moment to be still and remember and surrender back to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Come have your way in my life. I want to live for you. And so um, that's how I usually practically live out every day, living in Holy Spirit. And even when everything seems right, just making sure to invite him um, and being intentional about it, playing with my children, having time together. Uh, Melody and I are trying to do better practice of taking time. This has been a busy season for us, but to take time to worship together after the kids go to bed or just even as together with the children. to worship together, be intentional. Hey, while we're doing this, let's let's do this thing and kind of remember the Lord together. I love the verse in Romans that says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And there are lots of times that I feel really weak. And I think that's the point. Um, the Lord wants us to lean into Him and depend on Him. For me, the most important thing is keeping a dialogue with the Holy Spirit, talking to Him, sharing what's on my mind, what's on my heart, and hearing from Him. In day-to-day life, a lot of times it looks like me losing my patience with my kids. (laughs) And I pray, Holy Spirit, give me patience. And if I remember to do that, he's always faithful to answer. It's not always easy. Um, We are in a fallen world, and, you know, Jesus isn't back yet. So it's not going to be like, oh, yes, what's this? And you're saying, yes, it's it's always day-to-day. And there's grace if you mess up. Like, I know I... There's times it's like, drop the ball there. It's not impossible um, as long as the, you keep saying yes out of that place. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your personal experience of the Spirit. That's a great, uh, a great kickoff. You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not so much about getting more of the Spirit. It's rather giving the Holy Spirit more of us. Amen making more of ourselves available, surrendering to the Spirit. And so the question I ask today is this. Will you fully surrender 
to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Knowing that surrender is not just a one-time thing, but it's a, a continual surrender. The Holy Spirit wants to do more in you right now. Now is the time. Now is the time to let the Holy Spirit have more of our daily lives, more of our schedules, more of our families, as you heard um, the Morrises talk about, more of our communities, more of our churches, more of our workplaces, so that we'll see more of God's love for all of humankind, more power, more joy, more burden for the lost, more revelation from God regarding the needs of others, more conviction of our sin, more faith and prayer, more conversions, more gifts, more church plantings, more healings, more deliverance, more of our culture being changed to look more like the kingdom of God. God is still writing the story that he began with Jesus and continued in Acts 1. That story is not ended yet. And church, we have a part to play in that story that is being written. God's not done with us yet. The world needs what we have. So maybe you're here today and maybe you're hungry and you're thirsty for more. Maybe you're feeling tired, even burned out. Maybe you don't know what to do. As you heard Pastor John say in the video earlier, repent, surrender. The Bible tells us all we need to do is ask God, and the promise of the Holy Spirit will be given to us in faith, that we can absolutely expect that God will fill us afresh with his spirit, no matter where you are. So I invite you to pray that prayer with me today. You don't need to come forward. You don't need to have anyone lay hands on you. You might just lift your hands upward so that the Holy Spirit might be like, you're, like you want the spirit to be given to you. And let me just pray for you as we open our hands and receive the gift that God so wants to give us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill your lambs. For, Lord, we are waiting. We are hungry. We are thirsty. No matter where we are, Lord, in our walk with you, we want more of you starting right now today. So, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us. Would you change in us those things that don't align with you? Would you strengthen us for the work that you're calling us to do? Would you embolden us to be bold for you wherever you send us? Would you teach us and remind us of all the truths that Jesus gave to us? Would you have your way in us, Holy Spirit? Come and fill us up to overflowing. We pray in your name, the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.